Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. If you got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Put a marker in Exodus 19. We're going to cover some ground, a lot of one-liners. Uh, not a bad idea to take notes today while you're flipping to those two passages. How many of you like to be a blessing to other people? Okay, hold your hand up high. Just look around. Okay, a lot of, a lot of people who love to bless here. That's awesome. Uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to bless some amazing people uh, that receive ministry here at our church. We have a ministry here called Embrace Grace that uh, is designed to help women who get pregnant in an unplanned fashion. And we take them through an eight-week course uh, that covers a lot of ground, freedom ministry, a ton of teaching on identity, identity in Christ, uh, a lot of support from beginning to end in the pregnancy whenever they come to us, no matter how pregnant they are. And then at the end of the course, we throw a baby shower for them. And they register on their baby registry for everything they need to uh, be an incredible mom to their baby. And we throw a huge party for them. Uh, they can invite anybody they want. Uh, we bring in a hairstylist to do their hair. We bring in a makeup artist to do their makeup. Like we just, we, we throw a party. And uh, as the church, we buy them everything on their baby registry. And let me say it more specifically, you do. And we are doing this again. We're to the end of another class. And I'm not announcing this because we need a lot of help. I called it on Thursday night that by the end of the nine o'clock service, there would be no more stuff to purchase. And there's only like 30 something items left. So probably Tempe, as you're watching this, maybe if you do this right now, you might be able to get something. But if you want to bless one of these incredibly brave women, you can text the word embrace to 94,000. 94,000, just text the word embrace. You'll get a link as a response that goes directly to the Amazon page where you can buy some of this stuff. So uh, what's funny is people were doing it on Thursday night during the announcement. Uh, it was like a race to see who could get stuff. So I just want to tell you how awesome you are. I was back in my office uh, just watching people come in. I, I can't believe you come here. I, re I really, I can't believe you're here. It's still, I remember when we were a year old and I never thought anybody was going to come to this church. And it still amazes me that you're here. But can I tell you what excites me the most? Isn't that you're here? It's that he is. And for whatever reason, it seems like he's fairly present these days. And I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful that you're a part of it too. This weekend, we're continuing our series, In My Home, and we're going to talk about something that some of you hate to talk about in church, and that means I'm going to love this message, because I just love when you're awkward. By the end of this message, some of you are going to hate me, okay? That's okay. That's okay, all right? Send me an email, and the subject, just write, I hate you, okay? And that means I'm not going to read it, Okay? So fire it off, make it as long as you want, put it in there. But some of you are going to hate me by the end of this message. 
And it's not necessarily because of our topic, it's really because of how we're going to dominate this topic. What we're talking about in this message is spiritual warfare. And the title of this message is Strong, and it's designed to be strong so that we take this message seriously from the beginning. Here's the title of the message. Your home is under attack. Preston, I I reject that word curse in Jesus' name. It's not a word curse. It's just a fact. The home has been under attack since the beginning. Your home is not exempt. My home is not exempt. And I I feel like I got a picture coming into this message that the two of us were at lunch. And if you're a woman, my wife was with us, okay? Uh, But we were at lunch and we're leaving lunch. We get in the car, we go back to your house. And as we're pulling up to your house, I kind of noticed something. There are people coming out of the back of your house, carrying your stuff. And so I just say, um, I think you're being robbed. And this was your response. No, no, it's probably my, my neighbor. They're such pranksters. They're just being funny. And just as you say that, they carry out the television from your living room. And then they come out with the bed from your bedroom. Uh, I think you're being robbed. Stop being so silly, Preston. We're in an important conversation. It's just my neighbors being funny. No, seriously, you're being robbed. No, I'm not. Okay, when we talk about spiritual warfare, there are typically two extremes those who are addicted to it and super spiritualize and sensationalize it and walk around talking to demons. And then on the other side of the spectrum, it's people who pretend they don't even exist. That there's no such thing as spiritual warfare. If that's you, let me give you some homework. Go read through the gospels and tell me how many times Jesus cast out demons from people. Jesus was always aware of the reality. There is another team opposing what we are trying to do in Jesus' name. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. If you open up to Ephesians six, let's read it together. Says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The way I memorized it growing up, for we did not battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the unseen world. Okay, it's a fact. I didn't make this up. I'm not trying to sensationalize this, all right? But I hope every one of us learn a little something about spiritual warfare that we didn't know before this message. And here's one of the things I need you to understand if you don't think spiritual warfare is a real thing. If you're going after God, his enemies are coming after you. If you're going after God, his enemies are coming after you. And one of the most dangerous things a follower of Jesus Christ can do is not be aware they are under attack. First Peter 5 verse 8 says, be sober, be, be vigilant because, 
So be vigilant because your adversary, enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, some of us get freaked out when we talk about spiritual warfare in the church. Let me, let me just kind of put this to bed. If I played for the Chicago Bulls, it's just a fact that one of our sworn enemies is the Detroit Pistons. Now, when I was growing up, in the beginning, the Pistons beat us. But as I got a little bit older, my team, the Bulls, got in the habit of absolutely annihilating the Pistons. Okay, here's one of the things I learned watching Michael Jordan as a kid. He never walked out on the court going, oh my word, do you see what color uniform they're wearing today? We're in trouble today. No, he just went out and beat them. Okay, too many believers get too all hyped up about the opposing team. Okay, never give too much credit to the opposing side. Because my Bible says the battle doesn't belong to them and the battle doesn't belong to me. To whom does the battle belong? To the Lord, the Bible says. The battle belongs to the Lord and he's already won. Okay, so don't get too overwhelmed and hyped up by the opposing team. Never be afraid of spiritual attacks. Just be aware of them. Now, if we're gonna talk about attacks, we probably need to to kind of define how do we know if we're under attack? And you might be wondering, Preston, how do I know if I'm under a spiritual attack? Let me give you two things to think about, not an exhaustive list. Here's the first one. You know you're under attack when you lose things while you're alone. One of the things I've learned over the years is when I'm back in my office, trying to spend time with the Lord, trying to study for the weekend message, and hours go by, and after a couple of hours, I am losing my peace real time. I know I'm under attack. You know you're under attack when you lose things, when you're by yourself. Second, you know you're under attack when the people you love lose things God desires them to keep. This happened to our family in December. We got three teenagers. Any of you who raise teenagers just know from time to time, they're curveballs. There are typical teenager curveballs, and then there are attacks. When the people you love start losing things, God desires them to keep. You need to step back. Might be under attack. Now, let me just say, if you're the type of person that likes to blame every bad thing on the devil, okay, your car doesn't start. I rebuke you, Satan. This car's gonna start in Jesus' name. Okay, listen. The car isn't starting, not because Satan unplugged some wires. The car isn't starting because you haven't put oil in it in nine months. Okay? When, when your car gets repossessed, the devil is attacking me. No, your car got repoed because you haven't made a payment in 11 months. And here's the point. Sometimes bad things happen in my life as a result of bad decision that I've made. So don't, don't put everything on the devil. Own what you've got to own, all right? But also be aware of spiritual warfare. 
Three things I want to give you, and the first two points are going to take some time to navigate. And then the third one is going to be very plain and simple, yet powerful. If we're going to talk about spiritual warfare and attacks, here's the first thing you need to know. Don't fight. Point number one, don't fight. Now, this is obviously not a complete sentence. And there are two ways I want to finish this sentence. Here's the first way. Don't fight unnecessarily with your allies. Don't fight unnecessarily with your allies. Jesus makes a statement in Matthew chapter 10 that I think gets overlooked a lot. But there's a lot of power in this sentence that we need to take note of. Jesus says, your enemies will be right in your own household. Now listen, I don't even care the rest of what he's talking about. I do, but I don't. When he says, there's a chance that my own enemies can be under my own roof, that's an important thing to take note of. Here's what concerns me about some of the fights that go on in our homes. They're unnecessary. They're unnecessary. Just, just be honest, you're frustrated, you wanna take it out on somebody, and if you're not careful, you'll build up a habit of taking it out on the people you love the most. Okay, this is incredibly unnecessary. Unnecessary fights are designed by the devil to drain your strength and theirs for his fight against you. One of the worst things you can do as it relates to warfare is to fight with the people you love in the midst of a fight with God's enemies. Don't fight unnecessarily with your allies. Here's why. There are far too many fights against the home for you to be causing or allowing fights inside your home. Why are we so comfortable fighting with our allies? This is a war. I need their help. I need their strength. Why, why would I take a bad mood out on them? Unnecessary fighting in my home is designed by the enemy to drain us for his fight against us. Second, don't fight fairly with your enemies. Don't fight fairly with your enemies. Don't fight unnecessarily with your allies, but don't fight fairly with your enemies. One of the things I love about the family I've grown up in, and there are lots of things, but one of the things I love is it seems like God has anointed my family with the art of the cheap shot. A lot of my family, not just my immediate family, but my cousins, my uncle, it, it, we're, we're just all, we love sports. Most of us, if not all of us, played basketball. And all my cousins, we all played in the same high school team. And we had a reputation. And one of the reputations we had was obviously for winning. But number two, see how I slid that in there? You're like, he's so cocky. It was just a joke, but not really. But honestly, one of the things we were really known for was cheap shots. But not just cheap shots, getting away with them. It's like we all came out of the womb knowing how to elbow someone in the side of the face and the refs not see it. Like if God, I think it's a spiritual gift. If God was going to grant you a gift, like that's one I would want to have if I'm playing sports. Like the cheap shot and not get away with it. Now, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. 
I needed you as a ref back in the day. <laughs> Think about this. Because some of you are going, no, Preston, I, I, I'm trying to be meek and mild. That's great with humans, not with demons. Steal, kill, and destroy. Some goals that they have. Okay, fight fairly with humans. Fight unfairly. Play dirty with demons. Preston, how, how do I do that? Let me show you 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. Well, what does this mean? If you're taking notes, write this one-liner down. Playing fairly is fighting in the flesh. Like I've actually known people who raise their voice when talking to, you know, praying or, or you know, just, it's like they engage demons in a conversation and they think yelling is going to be, watch what Jesus did. Jesus was so nonchalant because that's what you do when you have all the power. Let's see, stop, stop. You don't have to hoop and holler and get all wild, okay? No, 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 it's the Pistons. We're better than you, stop. Stop. And your uniforms are hideous. Just stop. Playing fairly is fighting in the flesh, but playing unfairly is fighting in the spirit. Let me give you three ways we do that. First, first way to fight in the spirit is to pray. To pray. Prayer is the spiritual act of getting my strongest ally involved. Do you know every time you pray, your enemies freak out? They would rather you yell and scream at them than you pray to God. That's why I don't want you yelling and screaming. It's just such a waste of time. Don't, don't devote your focus on the devil. The Bible says be aware of his ways, but don't, don't focus on him. Talk to God. If you're under attack, take it to the Lord, whom the battle belongs to. All right? And one of the best ways we do that is prayer. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, one of, the, one of my favorite pictures of prayer as a weapon in spiritual warfare. Daniel had taken 21 days to fast and pray. He was taking some serious things to the Lord. He spent 21 days fasting and praying. Now, how many of you have ever fasted for a period of time asking the Lord for something? Just put your hand up, okay? And how many of you have ever gotten to the end of your fast and you feel like God didn't respond? Okay, my hand's up too. Let me show you what might be happening when you think God is not responding. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, Daniel's visited by an angel. And listen to what the angel says. Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, so at the beginning of the 21 days, and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. God heard your prayers, Daniel. God heard them. Watch this next part, though. And I have come because of your words. Oh, that's important. 
But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. And behold, Michael, the archangel, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So see what's happening. For 21 days, the first day, the angel says, God heard your prayers. But the reason you haven't seen a response yet until day 21 is there was a fight in the heavenlies. There was a war. And now I'm here to deliver God's word to you. But there was a fight before I got here. Okay, question. What do you typically do when after praying, you feel like God isn't responding? Do you give up? Do you quit? Do you stop praying about it? Maybe you're praying about something right now and it's been months, maybe even years, and you feel like God's just not responding. He's not listening. He doesn't care. This one liner is for you. When it doesn't seem like prayer is working, it's simply God's way of saying, just keep praying. Just keep praying. You don't know the war that's going on that you can't see. We don't battle against flesh and blood that we can see, but powers and principalities in the what? The unseen realm. Some of you are literally thinking, I think Preston has lost his mind. Unseen realm? He's just making stuff up. No. It's your Bible. I'm not making anything up. And trust me, I could go a lot further into this. Pray. One of God's favorite weapons you use in spiritual warfare is prayer. And here's why. Because prayer gets him involved. Why don't you change the way you see prayer? Instead of it just being something you have to check a box, I gotta get up and spend time talking, why don't you see it as the weapon it is for you to partner with the God of the universe who has all power in heaven and on earth? How would your day go if you started every morning bowing up a little bit going, I'm going to spend a few moments getting the God of the universe involved in today's fight before it even starts. Instead of, I got to check a box, pray today. No. Prayer's a weapon. Second thing. If you're going to play dirty and fight in the spirit, not in the flesh, you got to resist. you got to resist the devil. Ephesians 6, verse 13. If you're there in Ephesians 6, read it with me. Therefore, since, in other words, since we're in this battle, not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the unseen world, because of that, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Okay? Resist. Everybody likes to quote verse 13. Put on the whole armor of God. That's how most people quote Ephesians 6, 13. Put on the whole armor of God. There's a word before that, what most people quote. Therefore. And one of the things Pastor Robert raised me to do was always study why the therefore is there. Preston. What is the therefore 
there for. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the unseen world. In other words, this is a serious and very real fight. So put your armor on every day. Now, don't do it like a scared chicken. If you want to pick a bird, don't be a scared chicken. Be a prancing peacock. Some mornings you just got to wake up and just kind of bow up like a peacock. And just say, Jesus, you know one of my favorite things about you? You never lose. And there may be a moment today where our enemies try and scare me and try and convince me I'm going to be defeated. But Jesus, I just want to remind myself and all of them out loud. The battle belongs to the Lord. The enemy has been defeated. It's okay to bow up in the morning. Resist him. James 4 verse 7, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What is resisting? It's simply saying, no, not here. No. Not here. Here's one of my favorite one-liners of the message. The enemies of God are not stronger than the children of God because of the Son of God. The enemies of God are not stronger than you if you're a child of God. Not because you have so much strength, but the enemies of God are not stronger than you, a child of God, because of the Son of God. This is why every morning should start with a conversation with Jesus, the one who has granted you victory. Okay, let's just take a quick poll. How many of you love to lose? Like you come to my house and we're gonna play some board games. How many of you are like, you know what my goal is, Preston? Let me just out loud verbally state my goal. I'd like to lose. And let me tell you, this will be my response. That's great because here is my stated goal verbally. I want to win. I was made to win. I was born to reign. So are you. I was not born to lose. Why would his church ever walk around scared? He defeated death, hell, and the grave. Not the LA Clippers. He defeated death. He reigns. We've won. We got to resist him. He's been defeated. But we still have to resist. The only children of God who seem weaker are the ones who choose not to resist. No, not here. As for me and my family, peace rules and reigns our hearts. You will not steal our peace. No, not here. Our Savior quieted the storm, saying, peace, be still. You can't have that. Not here. Third thing, rebuke. This is a word that gets misunderstood a lot. 
Jude verse 9, but even Michael, the archangel, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, depending on what denomination or type of church you grew up in, you may have heard this phrase from time to time. And it seems to me that a lot of people think the phrase, the Lord rebuke you, means stop it or I bind you. That's not what the word rebuke means. The word rebuke means to verbally censure, to oppose verbally. Another way to say it, to just call out as a liar. Okay, rebuking the enemy is really, really important. Let's kind of just spend a sec talking about this. Have you ever noticed that many of the fights the devil starts start in your mind? Have you ever noticed that? He, he tries to pick fights in your mind. Let's say he's trying to attack your marriage. Now Holly and I are going through it a challenging time and he's just attacking our marriage. And I hear that voice. Preston, she didn't even notice the good thing you did for her. She never notices the good things you do for her. Anybody ever heard a voice like that? Okay. Whose voice do you think that is? Do you think that's God's voice? Do you think God comes to accuse my wife to me. No, no, no. That's the accuser's Amen. voice. So what do you do? Well, too many of us believe that voice. You're right. It's like we just want someone to agree with us. Do you know how dangerous it is to agree with the father of all lies? Amen. You're right. She didn't notice. She never notices. What's wrong with her? How could you not notice this? That's how dumb we sound when we agree with the father of all lies, incidentally. So how do we resist and rebuke him in those moments when he's trying to start a fight in our mind? Well, it's really simple. How do you combat a lie? With the truth. That's essentially what it means to say the Lord rebuke you. You're lying. The Lord rebuke you. What's the Lord going to rebuke the liar with? The truth. So when he tries to pick a fight in my mind and say, your wife is so bad. Look what's going on. Here's what it, she's not bad. She's noticed me two nights ago. Do you see that text she sent me? I saw that text. Ain't no other woman sending me that text. Has she noticed me? She noticed what I said. Don't lie to me. My wife is amazing. The Lord rebuke you. This is the truth. I don't need to get a full, full on conversation. I just need to remind myself. That's the voice of the enemy. He's a liar. He's lying to me. I dare not believe his lies. The Lord rebuke you. Never agree with the enemy. Always disagree with the enemy. Point number two, let's talk about boundaries. Trust me, I know some of you are like, man, this has been a long time. Point number three lasts like two minutes, okay? Point number two, one of the biggest ways to win in spiritual warfare is to understand boundaries. 
So let's talk about it. Point number two, be diligent with the boundaries. A couple of things in regards to boundaries. First, if you're gonna do boundaries correctly, God establishes them, not you. As it relates to your home, God establishes your boundaries. You want a home God blesses? Don't establish your boundaries. Let him do that. Let me show you a, a scripture, Psalm 74, verse 17. Speaking of God, you have established all the boundaries of the earth. How many boundaries has God established? All. all. So why would I try and establish any? He sets the boundaries. He sets the boundaries in my home for me, for my wife, for my kids. I don't set them. He does. God's boundaries always include more than they exclude. Some of us think that God's number one goal as it relates to boundaries is to keep fun out of our lives. Can I just remind you, I don't have the time to, to fully teach this because I'm already behind, but go back to the very first boundary God put in place for man. Remember what it was? Genesis 2. God says, don't eat from that one tree. Remember that boundary? Okay, very quickly, can I just show you what God says before that? The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden, this is Genesis 2:15, to tend and watch over it, but the Lord God warned him. Okay, so we're about to see the boundary. Watch how God communicates boundaries. For those of you who think God says, stop it, that's how God communicates boundaries. You stop it, that's bad. Okay, let me show you how God communicates boundaries. This is the first, remember, the first is very important to God. The first is a way God communicates his desire about something or for something. Watch the first time God communicates a boundary. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely, everybody say freely. freely. You may freely eat the fruit of every, say every, every, every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. God communicates boundaries by pointing at all the other trees on the earth and saying, you can eat from all of the trees on the earth. Except this one. Except this one tree. Okay, help me understand your theology for God being the eternal killjoy. I just completely burst that balloon with one verse. The first boundary he communicates, he starts off with, hey, let me tell you how awesome this is. You can eat from all of the trees as freely as you'd like, except this one. Don't eat from this one, because if you eat it, you'll die. He doesn't just say, don't eat it because I say so. He says, if you eat this tree, you'll die. I don't want you to die. Don't eat from that tree. But you can eat from all the other trees. God establishes boundaries. This is how he talks when he establishes boundaries. Second, you draw them. God establishes boundaries, you draw them. If you put a marker in Exodus 19, flip over there. Exodus 19, verse 12, God says to Moses, mark off a boundary all around the mountain. So God established the boundary all around the mountain. But he says to Moses, go mark off the boundary. So God establishes your boundaries, but you mark them. This is extremely important. Why? Because if you don't draw the line, someone will always cross it. God establishes. Let me, let me just say to the young people, to the young woman, woman that's here, she doesn't have boundaries yet. Because somebody told her, it's, 
It's your body. You can set whatever rules with it you want. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God sent his son to die for you, to pay for you. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been bought with the highest price humanity will ever know, the blood of Jesus. And now your body belongs to the Lord. That means he sets the boundaries, not you. God establishes the boundary, but you mark them. And if you don't mark out the boundary, I promise you, from time to time, some dumb man is gonna try and cross it. Get a word from the Lord on the boundaries he's established in your life and then mark them out. Third thing, you obey them. Keep going in, in verse 12 of Exodus 19. Warn the people, be careful. Do not go up on the mountain or even touch its boundaries. I love that this part is in there. Because this, this half of, of verse 12 in Exodus 19 is for those of us who when our parents said, don't touch that, you literally got up from the table. When your parents said, don't touch the ornaments on the Christmas tree, you got up and tiptoed over and went. Just because you wanted to see what happened. Huh? Anybody ever, you got that personality? Yeah, it's okay. You're an eight on the Enneagram. It's okay, you're not bad. Incidentally, and I may talk about this later in the series. I think this is one of the problems with men in porn. The church has not handled porn theologically correct. We've not been correct in our theology on porn. Too many churches and pastors just say, don't, stop it, don't do that. If the average human is like, there's just something in me when you tell me not to, I just reach towards it. No, no, no. no the church has been too focused on the what of pornography not going far enough in the digging process to discern the why behind pornography. That's how you actually kick the spirit of pornography's behind. It's not by staring at the what, it's by understanding the why and doing something about it. God establishes a boundary, I obey. Don't even touch the boundary. Disobedience to God is the fastest way to open the door for the devil to wreak havoc in your life. This is why God goes on record in Deuteronomy and says, hey, look at all these blessings if you obey what I say. And look at all these bad things, these curses that happen if you disobey what I say. God is trying to communicate to us. Nothing good, Preston, happens when you disobey me. It is more dangerous than you can understand. Your disobedience opens the door for the devil to wreak havoc in your life, Preston. So is disobeying my boundary worth the assault? The enemy can run right through that open door and land right in your home. No, it's not worth it. Fourth thing, last thing, you guard them. You don't just obey God's boundaries, you guard them. Keep going in Exodus 19, 12. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. No hand may touch the person or animal that crosses the boundary. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death. Preston, here's how serious I am about my boundaries in your life. 
If somebody crosses it, don't chase them. Shoot them in the back, Preston. If these people come and touch the mountain, don't chase them across the boundary. Shoot them right where they stand. Okay, I am not advocating a literal carrying out of this verse. But I am advocating to take the seriousness that God asked of Moses as it relates to enforcing God's boundaries, his life. I am advocating that you take that same measure of seriousness in your life. You have to enforce the boundaries. If you don't, somebody's always gonna cross the line. I wish I had more time to go through some examples. Let's just say a boundary God created for your home is peace will rule and reign in our home. Then don't let anybody bring in stress on purpose. Discord on purpose. God blesses unity. In this house, we're unified. Then don't let anybody bring in division. Enforce the boundaries. This is to be a home of peace. Then don't yet let people yell and scream in your house. You see what I'm saying? When God establishes a boundary, enforce it. Starting with yourself. Don't cross God's line. And don't let anybody else do it either. That brings us to the third thing. Oh, here's my second favorite one-liner in this message before we get to point three. I've stopped more fights before they started simply by resisting the devil at the boundaries God established for my home. It's one of the fastest ways to stop fights before they start, live within the boundaries God established and enforce them. Last thing. And this is going to be really quick because I want it to be. I want it to be so obvious that we just carry it home with us and take it throughout the rest of our lives. If you really want to win, I'm going to teach you what I was taught as the number one way to win in spiritual warfare. Point number three, come in the opposite spirit of the one coming against you. Come in the opposite spirit. Romans 12, verse 21. Don't let evil conquer you. Notice grammatically, there's not a period right there. Don't let evil conquer you, period. I don't know. Don't let evil conquer you. Let me show you how, not only to not be conquered by evil pressing, but let me show you how to conquer evil. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I think some of us read over that verse and we just go, oh, that, that's, that's too simple to be powerful. Isn't it amazing that some of the most powerful things in Scripture are some of the most simple things? I think that's why Satan tries to minimize them. Preston, evil is trying to conquer you every day. Don't freak out about it. It's just the pistons. Look at all riled up about it. The pistons are trash. Don't, don't let evil conquer you. But let me teach you how to conquer evil like I did. Come in the opposite spirit. So one of your teens maybe going through a rebellious phase. Learning 
the power of the tongue. And they're just saying all kinds of hurtful things in anger. They're just going off on you. What does coming in the opposite spirit mean? It means don't fight anger in anger. Fight anger with humble gentleness. Well, Preston, that's not fun and it's definitely not fair because I kind of subscribe to an eye for an eye. How's that working for you? It just leads to more anger. If I respond to your anger in anger, we're just both going to be more angry. Somebody has to go first and not cross God's boundary and say, I'm not raising my voice. Come here, give me a hug. I don't wanna hug you right now. It's okay. It just means I'm gonna hold you that much longer. Go ahead, yell at me all you want, right in my ear. And they try and break away. No, I'm not letting you go. Go ahead, get mad. Tell me everything you're upset about. But do it while I hold you. I could go down the list of so many wonderful ways to come in the opposite spirit. The first time I learned this was when Pastor Robert, years ago before I came to start Scottsdale, he said, Preston, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fly out to Scottsdale under the cover of darkness like Nehemiah several times. And I want you just to go spend time with the Lord while you're out there. And I want you to ask the Lord, what are the prevailing powers and principalities over this city? Because make no mistake, Preston, there's a war going on that you can't see. So go there and ask the Lord, what are the prevailing powers and principalities? Who's winning right now in this town? Well, I did. And I felt the Lord say two things at that time. Two prevailing powers and principalities over the city of Scottsdale back then, the spirit of mammon and the spirit of hedonism. And I said, Lord, okay, well, I was born to win because of you. How do we win? He said, don't fight mammon with money. Fight mammon with historic generosity. You don't fight hedonism doing everything that they do. You fight hedonism with the purest spirit of gentleness you can muster up in your soul, Preston. And so one of the reasons that we talk so much about innocence isn't just because it's something the Lord asked of me when I was 13. He asked when I was 13 because he knew when I was 33 the fight I was going to sign up for. And that the way to win in war over a spirit of hedonism was with a sweet and gentle spirit of innocence like a little boy. You may have sat through a message in the past and thought, but he talks like a little boy sometimes. I do. It's how I win. 
Yes, it's who I am. But it's, it's also how I win. It's how we win. We are made to win. Now, we're going to do something that I know for some of you is not easy. Uh, I've done this before in the past, and we've actually had some people leave the church as a result of it. And that's okay. I totally understand. But you've heard me say in the past that the best messages are not the ones you get the most excited about. I think to God, the best messages are the ones where I'm the most obedient or whomever is speaking, but also the messages you do the most with. So we're gonna do a little bit of warring, sweetly, before we leave. Both campuses, I'm gonna ask you to find somebody around you. I get it, this is not gonna be easy for some of you. And I'm not trying to put you on the spot. But listen, one of the things I believe the enemy has tried to do to the Capital C Church since the beginning of COVID is attack it with a spirit of isolation. You can see it and it's obvious. So how do we overcome a spirit of isolation? We come in the opposite spirit, unified community. It's called family. So that's what we're going to do. We're gonna be family. I want you to find someone around you, maybe your spouse, but maybe you wanna do this with somebody else. Thursday night, we had married people split up and I want women with women, men with men. But here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna finish the following sentence. The number one area where I feel like I'm under attack is. You know what your Bible says? Where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there. And I want you to get this picture as two of you say, hey, I'm, I'm really under attack in this area of my life. The other person says, I'm really under attack in this area of my life. I want you to get this picture that the God of the universe is just like this. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I've already won. Now let's enforce victory in your life. Some of you are going to hear a voice. Don't say that out loud. Don't say that out loud in church. They're going to judge you. They're going to look bad on you, towards you. Okay, whose voice do you think that is? Not God's. That's your enemies. Flip the lights on. Here's what you're gonna learn about the family of God. It's the best family humanity will ever know. So we're gonna take some time to be honest with one another and say, and I'm under attack. Maybe it's someone in your home. Somebody asked me after Thursday night and said, how can I pray for you? What's the number one area where you feel you're under attack? And I said, it's with my kids. Fastest way to get to me is through my kids right now. So they prayed for me. I didn't get all worked up. I didn't, no. No, somebody's trying to steal my TV. As, as a family member, would you join me in beating the ever-loving fire out of the person trying to rip off my TV? Right? 
someone is trying to rob you and you have access to all power in heaven and on earth, wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if the family of God stood up in sweet strength and said, no, not here, not ever again. The Lord rebuke you. So let's do it. I want you to find somebody around you. Maybe you know them, maybe you don't. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. And maybe you've never prayed with somebody before. Okay, that's okay. That's okay. Just tell them, hey, I've never prayed out loud before. We had people on Thursday night say that. It's okay. No problem. If all you pray is, Jesus, help me. The Bible says your enemies hear the name of Jesus and shudder. They freak out. You don't need to have some 20-minute prayer. If all you know to say, Jesus, help me. Say that and let the other, other person agree with you. Okay? All right. Find somebody around you. Tell them where the fight is. And then spend some time praying together. Introduce yourself if you don't know them. Make sure nobody's by themselves. Look around, make sure nobody's by themselves. Unless you're married, just ask. Ladies with ladies, men with men. Just flip the lights on. Be honest about the fight. Make sure nobody's by themselves. Nobody in this family fights alone. That's what I'm talking about. Some brave going on. Love it. Love it. Look around you, make sure nobody's alone. Nobody fights alone. Nobody. That'll wait, jump right into prayer. Don't spend more time giving your enemy credit than you do going to your God, asking for victory. There's some people being picked on in this room. Once you hear their heart, fight with them. Best weapon we've got is prayer. You don't have to lose that anymore. You don't have to give it up.
Love it. Love it. It's okay to pray a strong prayer. I'm going to pray. If you're praying, you just keep praying. Even after I'm done, don't feel like you have to be done. We had people stay for a while after the service was over. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for every person who can hear my voice. I thank you for the victory we have in Christ Jesus. I pray whatever oppressive thoughts that have exalted themselves against God, Lord, I pray right now, every one of those thoughts will be demolished and destroyed. I pray the peace of God would rule and reign in and over their hearts. God, I thank you that because you have all power in heaven and on earth, we don't have to get all worked up and riled up. We just have to walk in victory, holding you by the hand. And we get to do that. God, thank you for being the champion we needed you to be. The champion we need you to be. Lord, I pray that no matter the attack or the scheme of the enemy that's come against them or their home, we just say together, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Thank you for victory. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Not bondage, freedom. And Lord, no matter what has been trying to hold on to them, and no matter how long it's been going on, today, I pray freedom and victory. Now may each of us Get a clear picture and revelation of the boundaries you've established in our lives. And as we leave today, may we do so living within the boundaries 
our God of grace has established in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.